Hello, and welcome to This Speech Life, a weekly audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com, exploring all things related to school-based SLP practice. I'm your host, Caitlin Lopez, MSCCC SLP, a pediatric SLP with 10 years experience in the school setting. Each week, we will cover three need-to-know aspects of that episode topic, two resources related to the topic, and one actionable strategy for tomorrow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. We are so excited to have Mandy Schomburg with us today. Before we get started, just a few housekeeping items. I am Caitlin Lopez, the host of this Speech Life podcast, and I will be the host of this podcast. And also, if you have any questions for Mandy today, please pop them either into the chat or the Q&A box. And I will make sure to ask her at the appropriate time. And then just as a friendly reminder to log back into your course portal today at the conclusion of today's course and complete all modules, especially the one entitled quiz, so that you can get your live CEU credit for today. All right. Before we begin, I will report our financial and non-financial disclosures. My financial disclosures, I receive compensation for this podcast episode from speechtherapypd.com, and I have no relevant non-financial relationships to report. Mandy is an author of speech therapy and educational resources and has been selling her creations online since 2015 in her store, Panda Speech. She also receives an honorarium from speechtherapypd.com for guest appearing on this episode. Non-financial disclosures to report, Amanda sits on the board for Smiles for Speech, a 501c nonprofit that provides speech and occupational therapy resources and training to underserved communities around the globe. All right. If you are not familiar with Mandy already, I am really excited to introduce you to her or introduce all of you to her. If you're not familiar with her from Panda Speech on Teachers Pay Teachers or from her Instagram, I'm just really pleased and excited that she's agreed to be on this episode because her content and the things that she's shared on Instagram lately about boundary setting and that work-life balance has just been so meaningful to me and I'm sure will be really applicable to all of you that are in the school setting. All right. So Mandy Schomburg is a speech language pathologist in Texas and has spent most of her career in public schools. She has experience in outpatient clinics, early childhood intervention programs, and rehabs. Amanda is an author of speech therapy and educational resources and has been selling her creations online since 2015 in her store, Panda Speech. Her hope is to help busy SLPs build a library of effective and engaging materials. Amanda has recently opened her own private practice where she provides contract speech therapy services, professional development, teletherapy services, and professional consultations. Outside of her career, Amanda has a passion for community involvement. She serves on a local tennis association board, volunteers for local scouting programs, and is a special Olympics coach for track and swimming. Amanda also sits on the board for Smiles for Speech, a 501c nonprofit that provides speech and occupational therapy resources and training to underserved communities around the globe. Amanda is married, has one son, two stepsons, and the cutest Boston Terrier pups, Fanny and Dottie. 
Dottie is on her way to becoming a pet therapist to assist Mandy in the local community. Thank you so much, Mandy, for just joining us this hour and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us. I'm super excited to be here. I always love to get to talk to a wider audience about, you know, these important things, you know, setting work boundaries. So I'm super excited to share my experiences and my tips with you guys. Thank you so much. So let's just jump right in. What are three things that we need to know when it comes to setting boundaries for the school setting? Well, I always like to tell people, you don't have to be accessible to your job, your boss, your supervisor 24-7. So many people say that, you know, they check work emails on the weekends at night. They have work email on their phones, which, you know, those things, you'll use them for convenience to stay up with things. But really what happens is that your work starts infiltrating your personal life. It happens without you realizing it. And I talk to people, uh, you know, I, you know, on my social media share so much and I get so many comments, direct messages, feedback from people. Some people totally agreeing with me like, yes, go girl. And then other people saying, we have salaries. We are paid to do a job. You know, we have to be accessible. I've always had a salary, but that doesn't mean you get my free time too. You know, I give so many of my hours per day to a job. But I, I want to share what some of the speech therapists around the country are saying. This one SLP said, one of my supervisors kept texting and emailing me when I was at home on extended leave, and it caused me so much anxiety and guilt. This should not be happening. Let's see. Let me get to another one. It says, I like your tips, but I've yet to find a job that has this availability when I talk about not working past contract hours. So, you know, I'm like, oh. I can not figure out how to not take work home with me. You know, these are the type of things that are being said to me. So really what that tells me is you're not setting clear boundaries. So that would be my first tip is you don't have to answer to your job. You don't have to be available on the weekends. Another thing I always like to say, you know, those back to school meetings or those big back to work like supervisor, you know, they bring the team together and they they say stuff like, you know, we need to be careful about using district or company time for personal things. Don't use those personal computers for your personal like shopping or whatever it is. So they they you know, they drill that to down your throat and they also sometimes make you even sign like a an agreement. However, so you have to do those things. But if you are taking work home or if you're being accessible to your boss 24-7, that's stealing your time. Can you imagine what they would do if you were stealing their time? You know, those like don't do personal stuff at work. So I like to put that in perspective for people. So why are you allowing your job to steal your time at home? Because that time at home is for you. It's for your family, your friends, your dogs, who whatever you have going on in your personal life. And for some reason, especially school SLPs, we seem to let that all take over into our personal life. And I'm just not, you know, I'm just not about that. You know, as you were talking about that, like, don't be accessible. I was thinking of the previous district I was in. And granted, I was there in 2020 where I did have a really hard time making that cut because I was pretty good about, okay, the minute I walk out the door, I'm done. But then there was no door to walk out of. 
you know, like I was working at my kitchen counter and that was the place where I had to work. So I did find some of that time was difficult, but I do, when you said, you know, those back to school meetings where it's shoved down our throats, I thought, oh my gosh, I remember we used to have in that particular district, there would be memorandums all over. Like when we'd sign in at the beginning of the day or sign out, don't use your cell phone, don't use your cell phone. And yet it was, we'd get emails from our administrators. Why didn't you respond to me? Well, you emailed me at 11 PM. That's why I didn't respond. Exactly. Exactly. I was, um, I made some funny videos about, you know, not checking work emails in the summer or something like that. And I got some response that said they were told they had to check their work email once a week during summer. I'm sorry. My contracts always ended May, whatever, and started August, whatever. So Absolutely not. I'm not under contract. Even if I sign the contract for the next year, if you look at the dates, most of them will say the starting date. So uh, you absolutely cannot be held to that. But people are just, I don't know, I guess they're just scared to say, no, I'm not going to do it. They think because this person's a boss or a supervisor that they can make you do these things that are not required, but they can't. And I'm not saying it's easy to kind of like stand up to a boss or you should be confrontational, but setting boundaries with bosses is so important. You know, the second tip I really go into is don't work outside of your contract hours. You don't have to. Now, occasionally, if you have an IEP due, of course, if you're behind, didn't have time to get it done, you're going to get that done at home, right? I mean, teachers do it. I'm not saying never do it. But if you're taking hours of work home every night, if you're working on the weekends, that is that district stealing your time. And I get people who tell me there's just no way I could get it all done. But I worked at, like I said, at a district for years. And at the end of the day, what I did, I got everything I could done. And then I would close my computer and write a a note and stick it right there. The must do's as soon as I get there or the things that are due. And I always tell people, and this is the hard thing. If you can't get your work done in a reasonable amount of time within that contracted time, write an email to your supervisor and let them know, let them know you and ask for tips on what we can do to help this situation. People say, well, I've done that. Nothing ever happens. So that's where that self-advocating things, those skills need to really come out because you may not get an SLPA or they may not hire another SLP for the district because we're in shortage. However, there are some things that you could look at. For example, I was put on a duty every single morning. And so I would get there at 7.30. My first group wasn't until 8.15. So I advocated for myself to only have to do that duty one time a week because I needed that time to bill Medicaid, to work on evaluation reports. And I, I presented all those facts. I had like a whole thing written out what I could do with that 45 minutes. The compromise it was, I still did the duty once a week. Like I still sat out and let the kindergartners in the, you know, from the bus once a week. So I was still doing my part as a team player for a district. But really when my boss found out I needed that time for those therapeutic intervention, like to report, to get Medicaid funding coming through, she was like, oh yeah. But it took me going with the plan 
if you just gripe about it with your fellow SLPs or, you know, just vent about it, nothing is going to happen. And I always tell people, email it. Or if you have a face-to-face conversation, even though it sounds a little snarky, say, per our conversation today, I wanted to follow up. And that way it's documented. <laughs> and I hate, I know I hate those kind of emails too, but it's very important. If you find yourself in these situations that are bogging you down and you're unhappy, I mean, our jobs are hard, but we should still find joy in them. And a lot of SLPs are saying they don't. And so that, you know, it has to do with the boundaries. Absolutely. As you're talking, it's bringing up all these fresh memories of my previous district, but it's good though. You know, I really did have to learn those skills. They had, I had mentioned before we had started recording that they had brought in a lot of contractors and then they ended up firing all the contractors. And there was only 10 of us that worked for the school district servicing 40 students, which is kind of a little illegal. (laughs) And anyway, they ended up bringing in a teletherapy company, but they wanted us to do all of the assessments only for the 40 schools. And so Mm -hmm. that's four schools per SLP, which is a lot of schools, you know? And so we, we had to do that. We had to create calendars on Google Excel and show them, where do you want me to fit this in? This is how many IEPs I have to go to a day. If you want me to go, you know, and we're trying to schedule between these different schools and it is hard and you do kind of feel like, oh my gosh, but it was either that or we're going to be working nonstop and that's not okay. And now, and you know, some of the things that we were told from administrators was, well, if you really cared about the kids, At that point, like it is a matter of we do care about the kids. We want to give them quality services. And if we're not able to to do the work to do that, or we're being spread too thin, they're not going to get quality services. Right. And I know it's so hard right now because there's a shortage in my area. Like my business, I'm contracting to two districts right now because we have we we do there's such a need. So I know that some of these things it may not be like the administrator just not giving you what you want. It may just be, there's nobody else to do it. However, then that means that we've got to have some give and take. One year they tried to make me do lunch duty and it's, I'm not above doing a duty. Like I've said before, but I had three groups during that time. So I took my schedule to the principal and I said, where do you want me to reschedule these kids? I am booked solid. There's nowhere. And she was like, Oh, well, okay, well I'll find someone else. You know, I'm like, okay. You probably should because you got groups. <laughs> and so, you know, you, and you don't want to be combative. You don't want to be too emotional. And I always tell people, because I am super emotional, when I have to do any kind of confrontation about stuff like this, or when I'm advocating, I tend to, after it's done, kind of tear up a little bit, not like cry, but just get like, you know, that. Ooh. So I have to prepare myself. Don't go in it when you're in the height of the emotion sit down, really think about what are the options? Because if you're advocating for like a bigger room or a better room with a window and there's none available at the school. So you have to really look at, is there a better option and have that written down. So when you're having that conversation with your supervisor, you can say, Hey, I noticed in hall B there's that empty room, you know, Because so many people, they just will take these situations, whatever it is, 
and never say anything. And I guarantee you, if you don't advocate for yourself, nobody's going to do it. And there's a lot of people who just don't feel comfortable doing that. I actually took a survey from SLPs around the country and I got almost 3000 responses. So it was a pretty good chunk. Yeah. And it, one, one of them was, do you currently feel overwhelmed or burnout? Well, 84% said yes. That 15%, I'm like, I, I want to tell them, wherever you're at, don't leave that job because <laughs> you got it good. And then do you feel comfortable talking to your supervisor about your concerns? And 56% said no. So that's over half. So they're just taking whatever is thrown at them. And then here's another huge thing. So if you're taking work home, working past contract hours, emailing at night or on the weekends, you may be getting a whole lot of work done, right? And you're thinking, yeah, that's a good thing. It's actually creating a false pretense that your job is manageable when it's not. And so your supervisor may be thinking, wow, you know, Mandy's really getting everything done. She's good. Oh, we love her. But yet, if I was taking it all home and doing it, that's not okay. So you don't want to be setting a false pretense because guess what happens? If you're managing everything, working at home, and your boss is like, wow, she's got this, they may pile more on. (laughs) That tends to happen. And so that's why emailing those supervisors, those directors, whoever you know you report to principals and letting them know where you're at. I'm on average taking eight hours of work home extra every month or week or whatever it is. Keep a log and then know your non-negotiables. So that's another point I like to make and stick to them. Why are they your non-negotiables? And what I'm talking about is those things, those boundaries that you just can't cross. So for me, one time, a district, a principal came and said, we're going to start having all IEP meetings after school. So after my contract time was supposed to end, I had to pick up my own children from school. That's a non-negotiable. So I said, sorry, I picked up my kids from school. That can't happen. And she looked at me like, you know, (laughs) this is what we're doing. We've decided. And I said, well, for the speech, IEPs that we're going to have to have another plan. My, I have nobody else. We have no in-laws that live in the town. My kids come first. Sorry, my contract ends at four o'clock. I have to leave right then. So we didn't have IEPs after school that year, but it took me standing my ground on a non-negotiable. That's awesome. I love that. I know just in general, when it comes to boundary setting, I love that idea of you're teaching people how to treat you. And which is a great point of like, if you are managing all of this extra work that you shouldn't be managing, of course, it's going to communicate. I can do this. You know, I've got it, but really you're so burnout and stress. I like to share this. I started out at this wonderful nonprofit outpatient clinic lovely place. It was such a good first job for me. However, they decided to start contracting out to schools. So I was like, yeah, I want to try that. So I started doing all of the contracts, but then I would come back and see outpatient kiddos. And I had some sprinkled in here and there. Well, I had a caseload that year with school and outpatient of like 75 kids. And I know that sounds, some people like, well, I have 80, 100. Well, outpatient kids are all one-on-one. 
So it's not like I'm going to a school and grouping five kids, right? I couldn't get my work done. There was one day I was working late and I was working on IEPs in my office and I, I may have been tearing up a little, you know, it was a really hard year. And the supervisor, he was a physical therapist and he was the director. He walked by, he goes, what are you still doing here? And I said, well, my husband was able to pick up the kids and I have these IEPs due and I'm just really, you know, I just kind of let him have it. Like, I'm just really stressed. The thing about it was I asked the girls, like there was five of us, right. That worked at the outpatient clinic. They all had 25 to 30 kids max total where I'm covering 75 to 80. So I asked him about that. I said, you know, I'm feeling burnout with this job. I don't really like it. I'm covering 75 kids where the other SLPs are only covering 25 to 30. And he said, I had no idea, Mandy. I said, yeah, I'm really stressed. And he goes, well, from here on out, you're not taking outpatient kids after school. You're going to come back to the center and get all your school paperwork done. And then he also offered me a whole extra paycheck because I had been doing that for so long. I felt so validated. Yeah. I mean, that's that was the correct response from a boss, right? Now, I know not everybody can do that, but I almost quit that job that year because it was so rough. But he validated my work, my effort. But if I had never told him, if he would have just walked by and said, hey, Mandy, and I just said, hey, he would have never known. And that would have continued to happen to me. So you have to speak up in these situations. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you know, he would have never known. And it is important. And of course, there are some times where administrators, like you said, their hands are tied behind their backs. Like there is no one else to take the position or to help out. But I also love the point that you made about bring some options. Because I think sometimes administrators, all they hear are problems And they're expected to come up with solutions. And so sometimes I feel like we can kind of sweeten the deal a little bit ourselves by, hey, I've thought about this as a possible solution. What do you think? And I know that that has helped me go a little bit further than me just coming and saying, this isn't working for me. You know, what can we do? Like, I've thought about it. And if you have that good, you know, relationship with your administrator, and they trust you, usually they'll follow you on that if they can, if their hands aren't tied. Right. But I always tell people, even in these situations that seem impossible or there are no options, there's always something you can do to kind of ease some of that frustration. Even sometimes being patted on the back, a supervisor saying, you know, we see all the extra work you're doing. Good job. Here's a Coke. You know, here's your favorite candy bar. Sometimes with even the little things you know, they seem silly, but if sometimes they can give you that charge you need to keep going until they can find someone to hire or they can get a better solution, just being recognized, that sometimes helps. So, you know, if there's any supervisors out there and you're listening to this and you see your speech therapy staff going above and beyond because they have to right now, recognize them, give them a pat on the back, buy them their favorite drink, a coffee, you know, something like that if you can. Because those small things make a difference to just that morale at work. (laughs) I always talk about like morale, you know, in a workplace is so important. And when I first started this one school district, we had like these amazing water coolers that we could fill up our water bottles in. And then they made fresh coffee every morning in the cafeteria. 
But then slowly, year by year, the budget cuts, no more water, no more coffee. And I was like, it just really like the morale. And then one year we got these like nice salads at the cafeteria. They would actually make teacher salads and you can order them. They were cheap. They're like $3.50, but they were so good. And then of course, cut those too. So it's like, just give us something, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's very true. You know, like I'm thinking about like, I remember a particularly tough week that I had several years ago and the principal brought us all in, like, and it was a communal tough week that we had and she brought in donuts and coffee and she was like, all right, guys, this is for you. I recognize the work that you're doing. And to share that with your colleagues was also like really great in terms of morale building and like, oh, okay, we can make it till Christmas. Okay, here we go. Are you looking to move up on the pay scale? You can through speechtherapypd.com in collaboration with University of the Pacific. Start earning graduate level credits today. Courses are evidence-based and practical. Win-win. Check out speechtherapypd.com for more information on earning graduate level credits. And another thing I always like to talk about. So if you're overwhelmed, there's some little things you can do at work to protect your time. Um, One thing is if you have that field trip or that assembly where you have that like lovely little break of time, I know it's very tempting to just sit at your desk and stare at the wall for 30 minutes because it's sometimes just (laughs) zoning out is sometimes helpful. But if you can go and just shut your door and lock it and then use that time to document, build Medicaid, get caught up on reports. And that's what I call protecting your time. Anytime you do have time in your schedule to do that, close your door and lock it, put a sign on your door because, you know, I love my chatty coworkers. I'm a chatty coworker. Please don't get caught in the teacher's lounge with me because I will talk your ear off. But that wastes so much time. Now I would rather not chat and be done at the end of the day. And then instead of wasting time, and now I'm having to take a report home because I wanted to vent to my, you know, work friend. But There are times that that's needed. So if that's needed for your, you know, your sanity at work, go definitely go vent and have that moment, but try to protect those pockets of time as much as possible. And I also like to tell people, you know, since we work in schools, group therapy is the norm. If you don't have a time on your schedule for documentation, really evaluate your schedule and see if you can make bigger groups of kids who could tolerate it. Because that time, that's important time that's still part of your work. And if you are not given that in your schedule, you don't have to do it at home. That is not something you have to do. But you know, I know we are all under constraints from bosses and people, you know, IEP deadlines. But you know what, I <laughs> there's some really like, bold SLPs who comment about stuff like this, they put did not meet deadline. Uh, like district did not provide me with adequate time in my contract or something like they, <laughs> they document it like that. I'm not saying to be like that snarky, but sometimes it boils down to that, right? If you miss an IEP deadline, and if that went to a court case, if I was called on the stand, I for sure would say that. I for sure would say, I tried my best. We are overwhelmed. Our cases are unmanageable. So ultimately what I'm telling you, it falls on the district, not you. You're the district staffing problems are not your problem as the one SLP. 
You can't be expected to do the job of three SLPs because there's a shortage. Now you are expected to do as best as you can, right? And that's what you're going to do. But sometimes, you know, the things that SLPs are facing around the country right now, when I hear of caseloads of 120 kids, that's not manageable. That's not okay. And they say they have no choices. And I hate that for them. I wish they could leave that job and find something better. But I know it's, it's kind of what's happening all over. So yeah, which is why we're so grateful to have you here with us to really talk about practical things that we can do. Okay, so I want to make sure I didn't miss any of your three points. I have don't have to be accessible 24-7, don't work outside of your contract time, and then know your non-negotiables. Yes, and okay. say no more. <laughs> say no more. I love it. That's something that I had a really hard time with was I would think of some, you know, I would see a need that would happen on, that would be a part of campus. And I would think I can totally create a program for this. And then, you know, you start getting roped into things and like, oh, Caitlin can go help with this. She did this and it was so great, you know, and, and that's something that I've like, I really had to learn. Let me scale back. Let me not be the first one to offer things. And of course, I think having a child in the last year will totally change that. I mean, I have a really big non-negotiable now that I didn't have before, but I, I really appreciate that say no more. So what two resources do you have for us when it comes to setting boundaries at school? So, you know, in setting boundaries, there's those SLP stressors and they typically tend to be your salary, your work room, your work environment, like where you're doing therapy, like therapy space. Also, you know, your contract hours and that stuff. So I made this handout for SLPs to use when they're advocating for themselves. And it kind of outlines those like main stressor areas. And so I'm going to make that available to you guys. I guess, will you guys share a link? Is that how we get it out to people? Yeah, if you just want to email it to me, and then we'll okay. make sure that it gets up on the show notes page. That yeah. And then that way, those of you who are watching live right now, you know, in a week or two, why don't you check the episode show notes and you will be able to access that. Or if you guys want to email me, this.speech.life at gmail.com, I can also make sure you get it. And I'll share that in the chat box as well. Okay, perfect. So this document, you know, I actually used it. Well, I didn't use this exact one because I wrote it all down kind of in a weird, quick way. I actually negotiated my own salary in a school district, which people are like, oh my gosh, how do you do that? So most people believe that there are no negotiations with school salaries, but that's not true. Anything in a school district has to be approved by a board, the board. So anything can be presented to a board. But most people like supervisors, superintendents, they don't want to have to deal with anything. So if they have like a teacher skill, that's what they're going to use, right? So this document, one of one of the things it talks about is why we shouldn't be being paid on the teacher scale. And a lot of people will fire back on me that I like to do being on that scale because it lets me in that union. Well, I will tell you, I have heard from SLPs in union states, they're able to get their own skill, even in the teacher's union or, you know, being a part of that union. So it's not impossible. So that's something I talk about in the document. What I do is compare 
teacher qualifications versus our qualifications, our schooling, what's required, licenses, certifications, continuing education, all of those things. Because a superintendent tried to pay me on the teacher scale and give me a stipend for a master's. And I said, listen, sir, I'm not going to accept that because a teacher with a master's still can't bill Medicaid, cannot do diagnostic evaluations, determine eligibility in the school districts. They can't provide therapy. You know, I went through the list, right? And so this list shows that. And he was like, I had no idea. I'm like, this is why I'm here. (laughs) And it was hard. I was really nervous meeting with a school superintendent. That was not comfortable for me. But I always like to share this story because it just seems really cool. But maybe I just watched too many movies. He goes, well, what kind of salary are you thinking about? Like, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper and slid it across. (laughs) <laughs> I love that that's awesome I know I, I don't know what just it just happened and then he looked at it marked it off wrote his own number slid it back and said <laughs> would you be cool with that and I said yeah that'll work and I was able to negotiate my own pay scale so what they had to do in HR is change it from it says like licensure and that's something that school districts around the area are doing so Some pay SLPs on administrative skills, professional skills, specialist skills, license-only skills. Some just say SLP-only skills. But it is possible to advocate and get that. Because that's I know it's a huge debate in our school realm is that situation right there. And it's not something a lot of people will even feel comfortable doing. But, you know, it's interesting. In my poll, I asked people how they're paid. And so 60% said they're paid on the teacher scale. So I was looking at those 40%. I'm like, hmm, how are they paid? Well, out of the 40% of that, 40% of that number was teacher plus master. So really, they're still being paid as a teacher. So (laughs) anyway, so that's in that handout. I also talk about adequate working space, why we deserve a space to do therapy, not only because of confidentiality, safety of the child, those type of things. Because I did another poll. The two biggest responses where SLPs are doing therapy in schools, storage closet and old bathroom. That was 16% of responses. I'm like, the sink I would have appreciated, but the hole where the commode used to be, not so much. So one of my favorite responses in this was, the school's greenhouse. I was thinking that could be a, like a language rich environment. Like we could teach about plants. However, this SLP, if you're listening, please reach out to me. I want to know where you're doing therapy now. She said, we found a dead possum in the trash can. So we got to move after that. So here's my quote for this. It shouldn't take a dead possum to get an adequate working space, you know? No, absolutely not. So anyways, in that resource, I talk about all of these issues. So if you're needing like a boost of how to maybe talk about some of these things, this handout kind of has some guidelines for you. And just so you can, you know, not feel like you're alone, you know, in this. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. That will be so helpful. And I didn't realize that like, even because I thought, oh, well, they just have their salary schedule. You can't negotiate. But one of my colleagues that I worked with in my previous district, he moved to another district 
And he negotiated for a higher pay, even though they had the SLP salary schedule, but he negotiated for an additional stipend because he's bilingual. Yes. Stipends, bilingual, like you're testing, if you're on autism teams, those are things that you can get compensated for. So even if they won't budge on that teacher scale, there, there may be other things they, you know, they can get, give you for, you know, your specialty area. So, you know, we talked about earlier, like if you have everything going smoothly or you have the appearance of it, they'll add more. Well, I'm really good at technology. I figured out the special education software, you know, I got it down. So they made me the trainer for my district, but they didn't offer me any more money for it. You know, so I'm, I was kind of like, okay, but then Medicaid billing, I figured that out so quickly. They made me the Medicaid billing trainer. And so finally, I actually, the the year before I quit, I told them I am no longer going to be your trainer unless I'm compensated. And so if I had stayed, I think I probably just wouldn't have been the trainer. I don't think they would have given me compensation, but I stood my ground on it because I had too much to do being the only SLP. I mean, everyone knows how it is. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I'm glad that you stood your ground. I think Lindsay Nataki of Help Me Grow Speech, I think she has like a sweatshirt, Know Your Worth. I thought that was so great. We live in Southern California and I ran into her and saw it and I was like, oh, I love that sweatshirt. We all need to wear that sweatshirt. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and you know, with the shortage right now, what always blows my mind is school districts will pay crazy amounts for contracts, right? I'm in both realms. I see both sides. Maybe if we just bump our district SLPs up a little bit, maybe we would hold on to them longer. Maybe they'd feel more validated, more appreciated. They would feel like they were getting what they are worth. But I know here's the issue with that, because I've had a lot of people talk to me about it, is if we bump everybody up to then they're going to keep bumping up on those pay scales. So that's why they won't. That's why they'll pay for a year for like a empty spot. I'll pay this high amount for a contract, hoping the next year won't be as bad. But guess what? It's been bad for a long time. It's been bad for several years. I think if we just start maybe bumping them up, it would help. And I know everyone's like, yes, of course, do that. So you know, maybe I should do this talk to only school administrators. Right. <laughs> I know? should have been, you know, texting some of those old administrators. Hey, I have a new podcast. You should listen to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you like, like email it to some of them, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But it has been an issue. I graduated in 2012 and I've never worked for a fully staffed district. Right. And at my last year of grad school, I worked on a waiver because Oh, wow. That was like, you know, I could, they were that desperate, which is kind of interesting to me now. Like, oh my gosh, I hope I didn't do anything too wrong. But that's the way our field is, right? We look back at what we did five years ago and are like, oh my gosh, I hope nobody reads that report, you know? Right. Absolutely. Well, and those things, you know, I did a presentation last week about like IEPs and case management, all the really fun part of our job. But the one thing I, my takeaway from that was, no matter what, like when you're getting IEPs from other SLPs, don't judge them because you don't know what was happening at that moment in their career. So just if you need to change that goal because it's weirded weird, just change it. And here's something on Instagram. I know most of you guys are probably on Instagram and all the social medias. I see some SLPs on there reading bad goals and saying what's wrong with them. And it, it, that I just don't like that because 
some SLP who was overworked, stressed out, wrote that goal, and now you're broadcasting it. Just give people grace. I mean, our jobs are hard enough to then log on to the, you know, Instagram, have someone reading one of your goals out loud to the world, you know? So I'm just, I'm not a fan of that because like you said, everyone has written a weirdly, you know, weird goal that doesn't make sense to the next person. Yeah. And I currently have a student clinician with me and we're working on a student that I wrote the goal and I told her, this is a terrible goal. I don't know what I was thinking here. This is how I work on this goal. This is what I meant by it, but I hate this goal. We're just going to go with it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Mandy, I'm ready to vote for you for ASHA president. Oh, gosh. I think my husband would not be a fan of me doing any more volunteer work. He's literally said, if you volunteer for one more thing, we're going to have issues. But this is what I told him. Now he's my assistant coach for Special Olympics. So we're together. I'm like, see, you just got to volunteer with me. We're together. It's a family thing. I love that. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. All right. So you have your handout that you're giving us. Do you have a second resource for us? Honestly, it's not like a resource you can hold or anything, but I highly suggest following me on social media and signing up for my email list. I know I hate to have two things just from me, but honestly, this is like a huge passion project for me is to talk about, uh, you know, work-life boundaries and advocating for yourself. And I I am going, especially this year, I'm going to be pumping out a lot of more stuff. So the best way to get it is to be on my email list. And then on social media, I really do a lot of videos about this. And a lot of them are funny, silly, fun. Some of them are serious. (laughs) So if social media is not your thing, then I do have the email list where, like I said, I'm just going to be doing so much. This is kind of my year where I'm focusing on that. Awesome. What is your Instagram handle? It's just at panda speech and it's just like the animal panda great and then your email list just go to your website yeah you can go to my website there's a little box to sign up or on my instagram there is a link one of the top buttons on that is sign up for my newsletter okay great and what is your website it's just pandaspeech.com perfect thank you so much and That's why I asked you to be on the podcast was because I thought she is absolutely the right one to talk about it because you talk about it all of the time and all of your tips are so easy to follow through. And I love the way that you nuance the conversation because you say like, I was not comfortable with doing this, but I did it anyway. And I think that that helps those of us who are like, oh, you know, I do remember seeing you on Instagram and thinking, well, that's Mandy and she's so bubbly and so smart and knows what she's talking about. But then to know that like underneath you are kind of feeling that like, oh man, this is uncomfortable for me. It's good for me to hear that and go, okay, it's okay. It's uncomfortable for her and she got it done. It can be uncomfortable for me. And the worst they can say is no. So exactly. I recently did a video talking about things I naturally do to self-regulate that I got negative feedback about when I was in grad school from my supervisors. And one was being too emotional. One was talking too fast, talking too loud, and then trying to be too funny. Oh, and then oversharing my thoughts. So those things, I struggle with them even today. When I present, I have to put my hair up because I will sit and mess with my hair. And that obviously looks very unprofessional. So if I'm really nervous, those things come out, right? So when I go talk to that superintendent or I'm going to go talk to a supervisor, make sure my hair is up. 
I make sure I have things written down, bullet points, get my thoughts organized. Otherwise, I will just turn into a stand-up comedian and then go cry. (laughs) And then nothing gets done. So you have to know yourself. Know yourself in the situation. Know how you're operating. This is what I was hired to do. This is what I have to do. This is how I react to situations. Because no matter how you react, if you're emotional, you're too funny, you talk loud or fast, that's okay. And you just have to know yourself and be prepared. The worst thing to do is if you get an email from your supervisor that says, hey, sorry, we're going to have to add like 10 daycare kids to your schedule. And you fire back, there is absolutely no way. I don't have time. Never do that. Always take a day or a night to sit down and think about how you should respond. Those emotional responses tend to not be the most thought out. Go home and tell your best friend or your husband or your dog about it, but then really sit back and think, okay, so these 10 daycare kids need to be seen. Is everybody getting 10 daycare kids? And think about it like that, you know, because most of the time these things are not personal. Your boss isn't throwing stuff at you because she doesn't like you. It's because there's a need, right? So I always tell people, advocate for yourself, but also be a team player. Figure out, you know, some meet in the middle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that idea of being a team player when you're talking about like those emotional responses right away, you know, that year after 2020. So what the 2020, 2021 school year, that was the year that was just madness for us. And my work besties and I, there was three of us in our little crew and we were constantly like screenshotting our emails and like, okay, does this make sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you think of this? You know? And that was helpful of okay, I think you were being a little too harsh or, hey, you sound a little too nice right here. You can be a little bit more direct. And so that was helpful to have friends that I could share that with that that knew that I wasn't trying to get out of work or whatever, or just like, hey, have you thought about wording it this way? It's a, that's unclear to me. That sounds really funny the way you said it. So. Right. Well, another thing is don't over-apologize. If you're setting a boundary or if you're at your non-negotiable thing, whatever it is, don't apologize for it. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to pick up my kids. No, I have to pick up my kids. That's it. Always be polite and professional in your responses. But I find that people who over-apologize, it gives the pretense that you are just a pushover and you don't want to be looked at as the pushover So just be confident in what you need as a person and to be happy in your job. There was one SLP who told me she was terrified of what her boss would say when she told her she needed to have surgery and she'd be off for two weeks. That's just so sad to me. I'm like, if that was me, I'd be like, hey, I'm having surgery because whatever's going on in my body needs it. And that's more important than being at that school. Because if I don't get the surgery, how am I going to be there for the kids anyways? And another thing I hear a lot from SLPs is that when I'm out, that just puts more work on me. Technically it does, but if you're out for two weeks for surgery, it is the district's responsibility to find coverage. An SLP gave me a tip on Instagram and I thought, oh, if I ever have to use this, I might. She said, she would try to make up those missed sessions, but when she couldn't, she wrote on the logs or on their billing, whatever, however they kept their documentation. SLP out, district did not provide coverage. She just put that on her log. That's very straightforward to me. And, you know, the thing I, I won't go into this because it's a whole other talk, obviously, but 
what ASHA and the federal government has said about missed sessions is this. You can't have a policy. There is no blanket like you have to make up this session. You have to make up this session. It's a case-by-case thing. And you monitor for regression. So if you're out and there are no regression, what you need to do is make reasonable efforts to make up those therapy sessions. If you don't get every single one, but the child is still continuing to progress, that's totally fine. Totally fine. So I was audited like three times and I asked the auditor about missed sessions all every single time. And they all said the same thing. Document your attempts, make reasonable efforts, monitor for regression. If a child starts regressing, hold an IEP meeting and discuss. That's it. So really, honestly, those that guilt of missing sessions, y'all need to let that go. Just let it go. Are you taking advantage of the certificate tracker? Not only does it store your certificates from all of your evidence-based and practical courses from speechtherapypd.com, but you can also upload certificates earned from other CE providers. It's the easiest way to store and keep track of your CEUs. Just another perk of membership. I've been there where I've had a caseload of 85 students, and that means at least 85 IEPs. And we didn't have an set IEP day. And as the school year went on, you know, you get more students after every parent teacher conference, you have more referrals. And, and most of the time my referrals were legitimate. And I just remember thinking, I'm sorry, I have to do an IEP meeting during the session. And I would try and make them up and I would feel so stressed about that time. So that is helpful to know. And I know that there's certain models now of like the three to one model where it's three weeks of service right. and then one week of, I think they call indirect service, which is your IEPs right. and your documentation time. And yeah, and I would try and make my groups bigger for the kids that can handle it. Right. And I also felt guilty about that too. So I know that that's some of that guilt that I have to let go. Yes. Cause it's not on you. You're doing the best that you can with what you're given the time, the students, But ultimately, it is on the district to provide the needed staff to provide services for those kids. So the guilt, just release that. That is not on you. It's on the district. And as long as you're trying your best. Now, if you're just sitting around, you know, and just complaining and not doing something, then maybe it is on you. But most of us, (laughs) we are working so hard trying to do more than we should. And so I know most that's, you know, speech pathologists are are hardworking people and actually any educator. We're all hardworking people. So I don't see that being the issue. The issue is the staffing. And that's, like I said, not on you. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I remember going through grad school and our professors telling us, oh yeah, we purposefully keep the program small so that you'll have a job. And now I'm like, where are the other therapists? (laughs) I wish our programs were bigger because we're all hurting because of it. I know we have a university near us and you used to pump out 20 to 30 SLPs every year, but now it's getting more competitive to get into this program and people from out of state are coming. So their final externships, they're going back home and not staying in our area. I think we had like two or three stay in the area, you know, and that's not going to fill the positions with everyone retiring or, you know, moving. The medical jobs in my area are offering sign-on bonuses. So some people are leaving the schools to do that. And of course, the pay is higher there. So we're in the same boat. I'm like, we need more SLPs. Yeah. And we have three universities. We have three programs that are within like 15, 20 minutes of where I'm living. And we have two major districts 
that are in the Inland Empire of Southern California. So we have lots and lots of kids. But yeah, it's just like, oh my goodness, we need even more coming out. And I remember thinking that as a student, oh, I'm so grateful that they think of that and that they keep the program small. And now I'm like, why did they do that? Because we're all dying because there's not enough of us. Right. And you know, I didn't know this, but some states don't have SLPAs. I thought that was everywhere, but some states don't even have SLPAs. So there's not options to even go that route. I can't remember an SLP I was talking to. Maybe it was Oklahoma in their licensure, you know, how they set it up. They don't have assistance. So I'm like, oh gosh, cause you know, that could help too. Hire assistance. Right. That could help too. I know that that was something I don't know why, but a lot of the districts that I've, I've only worked for a handful in the last 10 years, but they were not super keen on hiring assistants, mm. which to me, it just is kind of a no brainer. Right. You know, I'm supervising an SLPA right now and she's fabulous. She's so good at what she does and her and I collaborate well together. It's a great relationship and it's helping cover so many students. Because I get to supervise her and cover all these different campuses and do so many other things for the district instead of me being stuck at that one school, you know? So it's, it's a really great setup and I think it should be considered more often. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The slippers that I've worked with, they've all been amazing individuals and really great clinicians. Shelby's asking a question. I'm wondering how you advocate for slippers. Our small department has several times and our district refuses. Shelby, that's kind of the question that I was saying that we've tried, at least in my previous district, we really tried to get, we would hire contract slippers, but we would never hire district hired slippers. Well, I have a thought on that. It might be because they don't have a way, a pay scale for them, and they don't want to take the time to have to create one and get it board approved. That may not be it, but that's what I'm feeling from that situation. It's an unnecessary step that they don't want to do. But here's what I would suggest, Shelby. First of all, you need to find out why they're saying no to the SLPAs. Find out their reasoning, because if you know their reasoning, then you can make a handout, a presentation on the benefits. If it is because of the pay scale thing, then that's something that, you know, your director or something could maybe suggest how they could pay them, or if it's just, they don't, they're not educated on the benefit of it. So that would be my first step is asking why they're refusing, ask a director or even a higher up. Why won't this district hire an SLP? I need to know the reasoning. Great. Thank you for that. Yeah. And that is a good point to think about is the pay. And I really appreciate that you work on both sides of the spectrum. You know, you know the contract, yeah. you know how that works. And you also were district hired, know what that's like. So I like the way that your brain thinks and processes some of these things, because that is helpful, you know. And then if that is the case, we can say, oh, look at how this district paid them. This is a right. pay scale that's similar in our area, similar pay. It's something that will will transfer. So thank you for that. All right. Well, we are almost wrapping up with our time with Mandy. So if you do have any other questions for her, please pop them either into the chat or the Q&A box. And Mandy, at this time, can you just do a recap of your, oh, we haven't even gotten to your last tip. Oh, okay. (laughs) Let's do that. We've just been having such a great conversation. Okay. No problem. So this is like a very simple thing that I am going to tell you. And it seems like It wouldn't be the closing tip, but I promise you those guilty feelings you get when you're out, it's to set up a really good 
auto reply email when you're on PTO or you're out sick. This will resolve all those issues and make sure inside this auto reply, it tells I am out. I hope to return on this date. If you're sick, that's why I never say I will return on this date. I hope to return on this date. If immediate assistance is needed, contact so-and-so at this number or at this email. And then make sure you tell whoever that so-and-so is that you put that information in. Because most of the time, a school SLP, there's nothing that's going to come up that's life or death, right? The only thing I could think of that I would want to be bothered if I was on PTO for a surgery is if maybe one of my files went to litigation. And that's it. That'd be the only thing I would be like, okay, you can call me for that. But otherwise, everything can wait. So make sure, like I said, include all of those elements. Don't just say, I'm out, you know, make sure you put that information in. Because, you know, those parents who may be emailing you, and if you don't get a response to them, they may call your boss and complain. But if you have that auto reply on, nobody can say, oh, she didn't respond. Oh, I did. It was automatic. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great point. Because it is true, you know, if you have those hot parents that are like, I waited my 24 hours and she didn't respond. And, you know, you tell them after, oh, well, I was out on this date and this date. So thank you. That is something that, like you said, it doesn't seem like it's the last tip of the day, but it is such an easy thing. And it could really mitigate so much like tension and And especially I know like special ed teachers that are case managers planning IEPs last minute, like I didn't hear from her. I didn't hear from her. And it's like, well, you and you know, so thank you. That is such an easy tip and something so easy to do. And I'm already thinking of cases that I've had. So thank you for that. We do have a question from Kimberly. Do you work with SLPs to assist them in self-advocacy with districts? On my website, if you look under available services, I have professional consultations. And honestly, that can be for whatever you need help with. So absolutely. There's a form. If you go to pandaspeech.com, click on services available, you'll see consultations. And you can send me a message about what you're looking for. And we can make a plan. But absolutely. Here's what I want to say. Even if you come up with a beautiful plan, you may not get what you want. But you have to set those non-negotiables and be confident with them. So you may not get a beautiful room with a window, but you may get moved out of a janitor closet. You know, just stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) I've been been in a janitor closet. I am one of those who was in, had to drain cleaning supplies. That was me. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I've never been there, but I did have a space where I, well, I didn't have a space. I didn't have an office and I didn't have a workspace and I was just pushing in all the time until I said, you know what? I don't really have a place to work on IEPs that's not confidential or to do my billing. And so that was taken into account. So that was helpful. There is lots of questions about asking if you are a consultant for advocacy. So I'm glad you answered that question. All right, Mandy. Now at this time, since we did get through your three, two, one, can you just do a quick recap of your three things we need to know, two resources, and then that one strategy? Okay, absolutely. So one, you don't have to be accessible to your job, your boss 24-7. Sorry, I didn't mention this before, but that means sometimes not even befriending everybody on Facebook. I didn't have any of my principals on Facebook, any of the teachers, 
none of that because my personal time life, the things that I shared was personal and I didn't want anybody questioning or talking about stuff they saw on my personal Facebook. So that just, that goes into being accessible to your bosses. You don't have to work past your contract hours regularly. If this is happening regularly, this is not okay. You need to start documenting and sending emails about it. Be clear with your supervisors about your non-negotiables and say no more. Put your needs and your family's needs above your work because that's where it should be, right? Your family and then your work. And so the resources, I have a handout that kind of has all of those uh, advocating areas that we, the, you know, the main stressors that SLPs go through in the schools and some tips on how to advocate for change in those areas. And then also sign up for my email list and follow me on Instagram. I'm not on TikTok because I can only handle one video (laughs) place at a time. I can't do both. So that's where I share all my videos about advocating for yourself and creating boundaries. And then set that auto reply when you're out to relieve some of the guilt you're feeling. And also you did respond and you, you don't have to feel bad about it when you get back to work and take your sick and PTO time. It's yours. Some people say, I will go to work sick because I don't want to have to worry about making up time later. No, take your time. It's owed to you. It's your right. It's in your contract. And then don't feel guilt. Make your reasonable efforts of trying to make everything up, but you're just one person and you're awesome. And you know, it's one of those things that I would always hear. Like if you were to die tomorrow, they would fill your position. Like, you know, the administrators, yeah. Like if you have a relationship with them, they might be sad for a minute, but like the head honchos, like they're just going to fill your position. And I used to be like, yeah, that's what will happen. But now with the shortage, it's like, no, they won't fill the position. (laughs) Well, when I left my last district, I was out for 12 years. I kind of thought they'd be like, no, wait, don't go. (laughs) You know, they didn't, they're like, good luck. And I was kind of, it kind of hurt my feelings, but then I had to realize this is not about me. I mean, I know what we do is so amazing and important and meaningful to people's lives, but they don't see us as that. They just see us as a person to fill a position. So I hope wherever you're at, you doing these amazing things that are our job, you're feeling validated and you're feeling worthy and, and people make you feel like you're making a difference because you are. And if your bosses aren't making you feel that way, just know you are anyways. Awesome. Thank you. And I 100% agree with you, you know, that that is important why we have to keep ourselves feeling good. And even if it's a mental health day, that's still a sick day to take that time to make sure that we can make it to the end of the year. So thank you so much, Mandy, for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and just your past experience. I'm just so grateful that you exist in the world to help the rest of us know how to handle some of these challenging conversations and to help us remember that we can stick up for ourselves. We stick up for our students all day long, and it's time for us to stick up for ourselves. Exactly, exactly. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. I am sure that you love the conversation as much as I did. Just as a reminder, please log back into your course portal on speechtherapypd.com and complete all modules, especially the one entitled quiz. All right, thank you, everyone. Have a great evening and thanks, Mandy, for joining us. Absolutely, bye. Thanks for joining us at This Speech Life. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs. We appreciate your positive reviews and support and would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe.